And I'm Donna Carter. And you're listening to Grow on the Go. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, I we introduced an idea that I had for Grow on the Go that we're going to begin this year. Yeah. Happy New um, Year. On our fifth season. You know, I don't know. Wild. What, I'm slow. I don't know why it took me so long to think of this, but I'm excited <laughs> about it. And I hope I hope our listeners will be excited, too. We want to begin doing a monthly share show at the end of each month, beginning on January 26th. So that's next week. What is a share show, you ask? You were supposed to ask that. Sorry. (laughs) It's a show designed for you or any of our listeners to share with someone they know who doesn't know Jesus. And it's going to be designed to set you up, you the listener, to have an important conversation with your friend. Uh, where you might actually have an opportunity to share your faith. So can you unpack how that's going to work a little bit? Well, a share show will be a podcast that we do specifically for someone without church background. So no Christianese, no assumptions that the listeners know and much about the Bible and no talking about the purpose of the show either. Yeah, we're not going to say like, go ahead and share this show with your unsaved friends. That's alienating. Yeah, we're not we're not going to do that. So we're going to try and pick a really compelling topic that everybody can relate to. And then we're going to talk about it and we'll bring in some wisdom from secular sources, but also from the Bible without, as, I, as we said, assuming that the listener has a lot of a Bible knowledge. So we'll go from addressing the needs people know they have, like help in their relationships, for example, to the spiritual needs that many people don't realize they have, which is a relationship with God. And we're going to do it as best we can in a really gentle and respectful way. Mm-hmm. So we'll be asking you, our regular listeners, to listen to the podcast with a question in your mind. Who do I know who doesn't know Jesus who would find this relevant or helpful? Who can I share this with? We won't say any of that in the share show, as Kevin said. Um, We hope that when you hear us say on today's share show, you'll start listening with your friends in mind. Um, Now, maybe you think your friends won't be interested in anything about God. And the reason that I want to um, repeat what's coming up in this podcast, uh, something that we we aired previously, is that uh, I want you to think about whether or not your friends are, are, are interested in hearing about God. Maybe they're a lot more interested than you thought. We're continuing our series, Lies, Lies, Lies. And this one is my friends don't want to hear about Jesus. Huh. Um, so do you, do you think it really is a lie or do you think it's a cop-out? Oh, I think it's a, I, I, I think it's a lie mm-hmm. that we like. <laughs> okay, because it gives because us an excuse. If, if it's true that my friends aren't interested in hearing about Jesus, then I am completely off the hook about talking to them about my relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just something we don't need to even bring up or I need to be afraid to bring up yeah. because somehow they're going to be hostile. And um, so I, my perception is it's a lie, but there's a lot of people who find com- take comfort like, like the lie. We like the lie. Like the lie. Okay, I think that's yeah. I think that's really true. And yes, it is a lie because it contradicts what Jesus said. So I'd like us to look at that in John four. Uh-huh. 
So Jesus has just talked to the woman at the well. Most of us are pretty familiar with that story. Um, and he was doing that while his disciples went into the local village to buy food. He's, he's planted this seed of truth and hope in this woman's heart. And she's gone off to share what she knows with her community. So would you mind picking this up in John 4, um, verse 31? Sure, I, I, I can read that. Although every time I read something out loud, I go back to when I was reading to the kids that I don't do it with quite enough enthusiasm. So I'll give it a whirl. Okay. Okay. You can do this. Okay. I believe in you. Oh, hon, that's awesome. (laughs) Things have improved. (laughs) (laughs) It says this. Then the disciples began to insist that Jesus eat some of the food they brought back from the village, saying, teacher, you must eat something. But Jesus told them, don't worry about me. I've eaten a meal you don't know about. Puzzled by this, the disciples began to discuss among themselves, did someone already bring him food? Where did he get this meal? Skip the dishes yeah, what? or what? <laughs> then Jesus spoke up and said, my food is to, is to be doing the will of him who sent me and bring it to completion. And I think Jesus is saying here that he's been energized by doing something he knows matters. Hmm. It's so much more important than the, the very immediate need of eating. He knows he's just affected the eternity of one of his precious daughters. And it, and it is such a rush to be part of seeing someone come to faith, isn't it? Well, it, it, it is. And when we are working in the gifts and strengths and calling that God's put in our lives, mm-hmm. that is something that just, for me at least, gives me unbelievable life totally and enthusiasm. Yeah. I could skip a meal for that. Yeah. yeah. Wow, really? I know, hard to believe looking <laughs> I, at me. It, well, I wasn't referring to about how you look. I just know how very much you like your food. I do like food. Okay, pick it up at uh, verse, verse 35, 35, if you would. As the crowds emerged from the village, Jesus said to the disciples, why would you say the harvest is another four months away? No, I am a city girl. You're oh, no kidding. <laughs> you're a city boy, maybe slightly less citified than I am. Yeah, I don't know that they make high-heeled boots for the farm. <laughs> Um, but apparently it takes about four months for a, a, a wheat crop to ripen. Huh. So that's Jesus' reference to okay. four months. Okay? okay. Well, he goes on to say this. Look at all the people coming. Now is harvest time. For their hearts are like vast fields of ripened grain, ready for a spiritual harvest. And everyone who reaps these souls for eternal life will receive a reward. And those who plant spiritual seeds and those who reap the harvest will celebrate together with great joy. And this confirms the saying, one sows the seed, another reaps the harvest. I have sent you out to harvest a field you haven't planted, where many other labor, others have labored long and hard before you. And now you are privileged to profit from their labors and reap the harvest. And that's kind of what you and I end up doing in our speaking. Oh, wow, yeah. You know, we, we know that when we speak at an event and we give an opportunity, an opportunity to respond to Jesus Christ's offer of friendship, and people respond to that, um, we know it's not about us. No. I mean, first of all, it's about the work of the Holy Spirit in that person's sure, life. Yeah. But we also know that there's probably been a dozen, maybe half oh. a dozen, maybe more people who have in some way planted seeds in yeah, that and person's there's, life. You know, I, I again, I orb in the youth ministry world and there have been youth pastors and youth leaders and friends that have been working with kids. Mm-hmm. Grandparents who've been praying for a zillion years. And, uh, the, the, yeah, they've done the hard work of mm-hmm. uh, tilling 
and and planting and we come along and we just have the privilege of often reaping in many people's lives Mm -hmm. it's pretty cool yeah okay keep reading please okay so there were many from the samaritan village who became believers in jesus because of the woman's testimony he told her everything i he told me everything i ever did Then they begged Jesus to stay with them, so he stayed there for two days, resulting in many more coming to faith in him because of his teaching. Then the Samaritans said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you told us. Now we've heard him ourselves and are convinced that he really is the true Savior of the world. Now, these people believed because someone dared to share her story Hmm, and in so doing planted a seed. And the thing that's interesting to me in this story is she didn't have Evangelism 101 under her belt. No, She didn't have all the New Testament figured out or the Old Testament in her case. Um, She just... Sorry. Go ahead. Well, she was a social misfit. It's not like she had relationship with these people even necessarily. No, she didn't have... um, she relational didn't have capital. Respect. Yeah. Uh, she didn't have the respect. All she had was the story of what she had experienced. Mm-hmm. True witness. And she just said, This is what I've seen. Come check out this guy mm-hmm. for yourself. Uh, well, and that's a really great point because one of the excuses that people use is, you know, I might not do it right. Yeah. And I, I get that fear. I, I, and I've had that fear. Mm hmm. I don't know, what if I say the wrong thing, or what if I do it the wrong way, or what if I don't have the right answers? All she did was say, this is what I've experienced. I'm inviting you to come check it out and see what your experience would be. Uh, And I think that, but that seems to take the pressure off. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, So let's just talk about some of the ways that we can plant a seed. You know, one one of the ways I've, um, I have done this is you know with the the unbelieving friends i have in my world when i know they're going through something i'll wait until there's sort of a private moment and i'd say would would you mind if i prayed for you Hmm, yeah people almost never say no to that yeah and i i think another way is uh for me and my friends who don't know jesus it's just about being the authentic me Mm -hmm. and part of the authentic me is my relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I don't get it right all the time. And I remember one time I was with one of my unsaved friends and we were having lunch and um, I'd just gone through this really stressful, difficult time of, uh, there were things with the ministry. I was concerned about summer and there weren't enough bookings and finances weren't, weren't where they needed to be. And I'd been allowing it to stress me out for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday morning. I'm saying, God, I just have to surrender this to you mm-hmm. somehow. Had lunch with my friend, and at the end of lunch, he said to me, Carter, are you happy? And my first thought was, oh, no, I don't look happy because of the stress I've been experiencing (laughs) for the last three days. And so I told him the story, and I said, and now I have, since I've released it to Jesus in my time with him this morning, I have peace and joy. So I guess you'd say, I guess I could say I'm happy. And I remember he physically kind of, leaned back in his chair, fell back in his chair and said, I thought so. I'm not. Wow. Well, what an invitation into a private place in his life. Yeah. And we got to talk about why I could say mm-hmm. that, yeah, I, 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 I struggle just like absolutely everybody else, but I have a place to go with that. Mm-hmm. 
And so it was a it was a really rich moment. Yeah. And and so I, and what you're talking about is sharing a part of your story. You're yeah, not yeah, yeah. necessarily saying, "Let me tell you my testimony from beginning to end." You're just sharing a part of your story. That's right. I am just a, um, because it's such a natural part of my world. My mm-hmm. friends who don't know Jesus know what I do. Mm-hmm. Many of them go, "Boy, that must be super rewarding," and it really is. Mm-hmm. So they know what I do, and some of them have given me permission to talk about in more detail and they've asked questions about mm-hmm. what it is I do and what I talk about and just because we do because we're doing life together and are authentic um, they they just see how my faith um, what's the word it's like yeast it's all over my life it, yeah. it's invaded affected it's, it, it, um, we're good with words wow. we're communicators I, I, I yeah, I have a word just on the tip of my tongue, but yep. it won't come. So. <laughs> okay, fine then. Yeah, but it's it's just such an integral part of my life. Yeah, I, I don't have to push. Yeah, and it's not it's like just you're saying. Conversation. It's not like you're saying. Oh, and speaking of gardening, have you heard of the four spiritual yeah. laws? You know, it's just a natural <laughs> thing that comes up in Can conversation. I, say, I use. Well, speaking of gardening, have you heard of the fruit of the spirit? Oh, you see, so much That's better. A better tie-in, okay, yeah. yeah, I'm not good with segues. Never have been. <laughs> <laughs> so another thing that we can do um, to plant a seed is talk, uh, ask questions, ask insightful questions. Like your friend asked you a really insightful question. Are you happy? Yeah. yeah. You know, and we can invite our friends to share a part of their story, their spiritual journey. Everybody has one. Mm-hmm. You know, it might look, might not be a story of seeking Jesus, but everybody has a spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to just um, unpack this story of um, of Jesus and the the Samaritan people a little bit more and see what we can learn from it. Um, first of all, the Samaritan people were Jews who had violated God's laws about intermarrying with the pagan nations surrounding them. And the Jews, the purebred Jews, hated them for it. Um, they actually really looked down their noses at them, and it's quite surprising that Jesus even traveled through Samaria. Most Jews would go many kilometers out of their way to avoid Samaritan territory. Right, and it's interesting to me in the story, if I if, yeah, if I course. can jump in, I just did, uh, <laughs> that the the Bible says Jesus had to go through Samaria, yes. and the reality is he didn't physically have to go through mm-hmm. Samaria. Jews would skirt. Samaria. Yeah. They would go an extra day's journey to avoid it. They wouldn't eat off a Samaritan's uh, plate. They wouldn't drink out of their cups. They they did hate them. Mm-hmm. But it says Jesus had to go through Samaria. So my only conclusion is that he heard from the Father. Yeah, he had a divine appointment. You've got a divine appointment mm-hmm. here. And I have to wonder what the disciples mm-hmm. thought. Yeah. Because here's our leader, our teacher, our rabbi, and we're supposed to be good Jewish boys, and we are doing what good Jewish people don't do. Yeah, I'm sure they were quite curious. Um, I think it would be safe for Jesus and his traveling companions to assume that uh, the Samaritans wouldn't be interested at all in anything Jesus had to say mm. because of the enmity between the Samaritans sure. and the Jews, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think we make that assumption, too. You know, oh, these people won't be interested in what I have to say about my yeah, faith. That's right. And that assumption is the lie well, we're confronting. And, and we make it quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. I, I have a friend who is a pastor, and in high school he worked in a Canadian tire. And he told me every Friday night at the quitting time, he and another guy would go one way, and two of the other guys would go another way. 
And then Saturday, they'd talk about what they did. And the guy he went with, they'd usually go to some drinking party somewhere. Hmm. And the other two would go off and catch up with their youth group. And they'd compare stories on Saturday. And uh, my friend, who was not a believer at the time, really felt like, you know, my friend who's been drunk said, oh, what a great time we had. I was not drinking. We didn't have that great a time. Hmm. But what they talk about doing sounds so interesting to me. I wish they'd invite me to go with them because I'd go. Wow. And uh, he, he thought that many times. Isn't that? With those guys. So our assumptions are not always correct. No, no definitely not. Yeah. Um, why do you think we buy into that assumption? I, I think so much of it's fear. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most of us have a fear of being rejected. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to be rejected by people I know. I think there's also the component um, that... The church has not behaved well in the world over the centuries, to a degree. I mean, they've also done, the church has also done many wonderful things, right? Like established public education, public health care, Habitat for Humanity, the YMCA. I mean, so much good that's been done in the world has been started by believers. Um, And I think at at their core, people don't object to Jesus. Hmm. What they object to is the ugliness that uh, the ugly ways his bride, the church, has behaved in the world. First uh, Peter 3.15 says, In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. And I think throughout history... Right up until today, our arrogance, to a large degree, ours meaning the church, um, is has been what has um, alienated us from people who need Jesus. And can I can I throw in another thing that I think is something that really and and maybe it ties in with the arrogance. I, I think rather than building friendships with people, mm-hmm. we turn them into projects. projects. Yeah, and I don't want to be a project. No, nobody does. Um, and, and so when we look at people who don't know Jesus as a project, we've got to convert or whatever, rather than a friend who we're building a relationship with, that it's just going to be natural to talk about what's going on in our hearts. Maybe that's part of it, too. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to talk about some of the specific reasons that um, that when we find people who are who are um reluctant to to hear about Jesus maybe what what are some of the reasons surrounding that the first thing is that the way some of us have been taught to share our faith makes it sound like Jesus can be reduced to a scientific formula or something mm. you know the truth of christianity is not a statement or an outline it's it's a person Christ said, I am the truth, the way, and the, or the way, the truth, and the life. And as the truth, the person of Christ is not reducible to a statement. And as our Lord, he can't be brought under our control. There's nothing quite as ugly as human know-it-alls. Hmm. Uh, I, I just this morning finished a book called Casper Goes to Church. Mm. And uh, I, th- I think you've read that book, too. I, I have you? started it. I oh. have not. I've well, got about three or four that are sort of started. I don't get that. But I finished <laughs> this book. Um, and it's of a, a story of a man, a Christian, who is a pastor, who um, long 
very long story short, paid an atheist to go with him. I to, love that. I think about a dozen different churches. The atheist has put his soul up on eBay for sale. And so this guy found out about it <laughs> and he bid for it and he got it. He says, I didn't buy a soul. I actually just rented it. But uh, the deal was that he would take this atheist to a number of well-known churches and a couple of not so well-known churches around North America and just get his read on what he thinks of these churches. And the thing that amazed me at the end of the book was people had sent in some questions that these guys answered. And Casper was the, is the atheist. And uh, the thing that turns him off the most uh, about Christians is that they claim that they know beyond any doubt truth. And, and I believe that Jesus is true. Uh-huh. But he says, you can't prove eternity. Uh-huh. You cannot prove heaven. You cannot prove hell. But you tell me it's a fact. He said, if you came at it from the aspect of this is what I believe and I have confidence in, uh-huh. he said, we could have a dialogue about it. Okay. But we can't even have a dialogue about it if you claim to have all the truth. Right. Right. Um, and so, uh, and, and again, I, I don't want people to be misled. I believe the Bible, every bit of the Bible, I believe it's true. Right. But he's right. I can't scientifically prove heaven or hell. Mm-hmm. I, I believe in God because what I have seen him do in my own life and heart, but that's not scientific right. evidence for this particular atheist. I just thought it was interesting, this idea of letting go of some of our dogma. Our dogma, yes. I think that's really good. Um, some of these ideas that I've gathered are from uh, Relevant Magazine Online. Okay, yeah. And the author's name is Josh, and I'm going to call him Josh D, <coughs> because I can't figure out how to pronounce his last name. <laughs> okay. So we're going to call him Josh D, and I will um, include a link on the description of this podcast, so if you want to look uh, deeper into this and figure out how to pronounce his last name, may the force be with you. <laughs> I see. Okay, so let's, uh, another another um, thing that I think turns people off is it, it looks like we're trying to establish the kingdom of God all by himself, and that's all not... by our, ourselves. Yeah, yeah. that's not okay. our business. That's God's business. I think many Christians have this this uncontainable urge to establish God's kingdom on earth. They want to... Uh, have you got COVID? Stop doing that. No, I don't. I'm sorry. I just swallowed something funny. Okay. <clears throat> You're not even drinking. You can't handle your own saliva. own saliva. <laughs> it's my own saliva. so sad. I know. That happens to me. Um, but it's like some Christians want to um, establish a theocracy. Here and now, like just like Israel in the Old Testament or certain Muslim countries, um, it is not possible because we live in a democracy. And to use the democratic process to establish a theocracy is actually undermining democracy itself. And besides, no theocracy was ever established by human hands. That's right. So when we're trying to make... Um, all the unbelievers out there behave like believers by... by uh, instituting laws uh, to make them do that. That's mm-hmm. that's not our job. Uh, and this whole, um, I mean, it's a long time ago now, but the moral majority was a big force in U.S. politics years ago. And, uh, and I think they gave us a really bad name. Uh, at least some of how for, it was portrayed by media. Sure. Yeah, yeah. 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 
I'm not convinced that Jesus calls us to political action. I think we need to speak out. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I and, I and there's a lot of people who of would really, really disagree with that. Um, but Jesus didn't do it. No, he didn't do it that way. He doesn't call us to establish an empire. He calls out to live out the kingdom, and those are two very different things. Yeah, and the true. first, the first Christians really got it. They were noted for their different character and behavior and the way they cared for people nobody else cared about. Um, yeah, so let's not be imposing Christian behavior on those who aren't Jesus followers and trying to legislate it. Yeah, it's a little bit like not being in the family but having to follow the family rules. Yeah. I think as Christians, we're in a family and mm-hmm. we have accepted the rules of the family. But to impose those on who, uh, others who are outside the family is a bit of a turn Doesn't make sense. Yeah. yeah. Another thing I think we need to, that uh, my friend Josh D. points out, is that absolute truth is God's business. Hmm. So we need to refrain from claiming the exclusive right to absolute truth. Some Christians quite obnoxiously claim that having the Bible, God's word, is the same thing as having the only truth there is. In his article, Josh claims, this is dangerous and ridiculous, and before you burn me at the stake for heresy, listen. just listen to his logic. Oh, come on. I was just getting the fire going. <laughs> he says, The Bible, as God's word to humanity, testifies to what God has done and is doing in and through Jesus Christ for humanity and for the world. It doesn't mean that the Bible contains all truth exhaustively. Yep. If that were the, the case, no magi would have ended up in Bethlehem. Right? They studied the stars, not the scriptures. Hmm. Jesus would never have mastered the skill of carpentry. There's not a lot about carpentry techniques in the Bible. <laughs> and no one would be able to read the scriptures. In, in the pluralistic city of Athens, the Apostle Paul did not shy away of making use of the Greek poets to get his message across. Truth is found among non-Christians. Hmm. A pluralistic society provides unique opportunity to learn from other religions and ethnic groups. Truth is everywhere. There's scientific truth, philosophical and folk wisdom, and truth in non-Christian religions. That's the end of the quote, by the way. Ultimately, all truth belongs to God. Now, that isn't the same thing as saying all roads lead to God. No. Because some roads are paved with lies, right? But all truth is God's truth. And then the fourth one is that actions speak louder than words. Jesus says that one can recognize a tree only by its fruits. The truth of our faith, if it's genuine, will express itself. So how can we do a better job of expressing good fruit? We show love to people with friendship and, and as you've mentioned, not making them a project, but investing in a genuine friendship with people. Yeah. Opening our hearts to them. Yeah. I, I would just love to um, finish with a, another powerful quote from Josh. Let's not forget that for all its adherence to the truth, adherence to the truth, Christianity doesn't have a good reputation when it comes to fruits. Christians have done some terrible things in Jesus' name and pursued political power and wealth in the name of their religion. Christianity has a bad track record with its trumping of trumping of its truth. So much of it was 
um, accompanied by injustice, like the Inquisition and colonialism or outright nonsense, the prosperity gospel comes to mind. People don't actually, and that's the end of the quote, and this is how I want to leave us today. People don't actually care that Christianity is true if they don't see that it's good. And they'll only see if it's good if it's in our lives. That's right. That's right. So that's all we have today. I'm Donna Carter with Randy Carter, and you're listening to Girl on the Go. Thanks for listening to Grow on the Go. Share this episode on social media and find more great programs at faithstrongtoday.com. 